Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is really terrific. We're going to get the wisdom from a mortgage banking serial entrepreneur, which I think is a terrific topic. Our expert is Tammy Butler. Tammy is the owner and publisher of Mortgage Currency, which is a terrific tool for mortgage lenders and also is the CEO of Fair Lending Diversity. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me today. Well, this is a great topic, and there's nobody better in mortgage banking than yourself to discuss because you've been in so many entrepreneurial roles that I think it's just a wonderful thing and that you could share your wisdom. So, But before we jump off into that topic, why don't you tell our listeners how you got into mortgage banking and the managing side of it, and what was your career path? Well, I, I think that like a lot of people out there, I got into it by accident because it certainly wasn't something they talked about in college. Uh, my degree was in education and my full plan was to become a teacher. But at the time I graduated from college, there were not a lot of teaching positions available. And so because I had a college degree, I was picked up as, a, as an auditor of mortgages, believe it or not, for a mortgage company in the Washington, D.C. area. And long story short, that's how I entered the industry, went through auditing, then closing, and then decided to make the leap to an originator, became a top producing originator, and then from there ended up in management when I came out to the Midwest. And there's an interesting story behind that because even though I was a top producing originator in the Washington, D.C. area, my goal was to move my children out of that area to uh, something I considered a little bit more normal, the Midwest. And I pitched HSBC at the time <laughs> for a servicing, uh, taking their servicing portfolio and with rather than having refinance runoff, actually capture all of that business versus it going to other lenders. And so I started that division for them. And that's how I ended up in management eventually going into branch management and heads of uh, sales and production, you know, with 200 loan officers with other companies and so on and so forth. So that was my trajectory into the industry through management. Well, that's an interesting story. And certainly you've seen managing really geographically in different places. So what makes you excited about managing and mortgage banking? And what are some of the things that you think people miss about managing and how difficult it really is? You know, I, I think that the first thing that you realize, the goal is always like, oh, I'm a top producer. I could manage people, right? Because I've managed pipelines. And so it's all about you when you're an originator and your business and, and how you approach things and you being able to have control over that business to a certain extent. When you launch yourself into management, it's a little bit different as we all become aware. Now, all of a sudden, we're not just responsible for ourselves. Now we're responsible for other people, their problems, their issues. They may not think as you think all of these bigger issues that we never had to face when we were just originating loans. And so for me, it was a certainly a, a big change because I realized not everybody thought the way I did or did things the way I did, <laughs> which mm -hmm. I think your first awakening 
about managing. Sure. And then the second thing is, is, is really how do you take um, the people that you've been charged with help them evolve in their careers so that they experience the greatness that that you have gotten from the industry. And that can be very challenging. It can be easy for some and not so easy for others. And as a result of that, I think that that is a big awakening for people who say, I want to go into management, but never really kind of thought that through as to how that's going to impact what they did before versus what they're doing now. So it's almost like I equate it to becoming a new parent, right? You think you want children, and then as soon as you have children, <laughs> it's like, whoa, what did I just do to my life? Yeah. And uh, so for me, it's always kind of that that uh, mentality that you go through. Well, it's, it's a not great, for everybody. Yeah, it's a great point that you're making. And I think too often top producers do think that they automatically are going to be great managers, and that's not true. So when you look at, Tammy, like the biggest mistakes which we all have made in our career, what did you learn from any of them? I think that everybody's going to make mistakes in their career. I mean, just, just embrace that, right? Don't, mm-hmm. don't think that you're going to go into it and just rock it out of the ballpark. I would say that one of the first mistakes I made was believing that people either had the same goals in mind that I did in life, or perhaps the work ethic, or the innovative thinking, or you know, the systems sort of mentality not everybody has that, nor does everybody want that, right? And so how do you reformulate the way that you do things so that they're able to produce great numbers, but in a different way? So that's the first mistake I think a lot of people make. The the second mistake is that these are your coworkers. These are not your best friends. Yes, you are typically in an environment where you're seeing them probably more than your family, right? But you have to you have to understand that these are coworkers and not necessarily your friends. And I think that that helps create a very nice separation so that you're able to do the harder things that you need to do, such as let people know that, you know, you, you really aren't cut out for this, even though we've tried X, Y, and Z. That's a tough conversation to have with people. It has to be done in a very delicate manner. And you have to give them some hope that they're not a failure, right? but it may just not be that it's a great fit for them. You know, so, so those, that's, those are two, I think, of the biggest mistakes that we make going into it in, you know, thinking, oh, yay, these are, these are my best friends now. And, you know, these are all the things that, that I thought I, they would do. And it really isn't that way. And I think that's important to to learn from that. Well, I think they're great points. And that is partly why managing is not easy. So if you look at, and you've been involved with the management side for many years, is there anything in mortgage banking that as far as managing that would be things that should be improved? Yeah, I've seen an evolution over the years which is, I find disturbing. And that's a trend of managers that are more recruiters than managers or leaders. And when you look at that, what is missing is that we're getting to the point where we're hiring a whole bunch of people, throwing them against the wall to see which ones can stick. And that's really not the way to do it. We're not listening and helping them uh, to, with their sales calls. 
We're not going out on appointments with them. We're not spending uh, money where we need to to get them the resources that they that they need. You know, whether it's uh, mortgage currency or more education or marketing that's going to help you know support them a bit. And when you realize that those are the key factors that increase your production and provide most importantly employee retention the ones that you want to keep uh-huh. so that they're not recruited away from you. I think that those are, are definitely the things that I would spend more time focusing on if I was trying to build a group. I One of my last stints as a, what I'll call production manager, was taking a company that was $120 million in production up to $1.2 billion in a non-refinanced market in less than two years so that they could be positioned for sale. And that required exactly what I just reviewed, the education, the marketing, all of the things, the resources, all of the things that they needed in order to grow and the support that they needed. And I feel that that's a missing element in a lot of today's manager roles. Well, that's a great point that I also see myself. In fact, it's interesting when you look at some of the career bulletin boards when they're advertising for positions, there's actually companies that advertise, we give you no training. <laughs> it's like, what? Okay, yeah. that, that's really not the way you should do it. So let's talk about the topic of the serial entrepreneur, which you are. You've had your own company, you've purchased companies. I mean, you certainly have done everything everything in mortgage banking. Talk about how, what's the lessons you've learned and what are the things that you would suggest as recommendations for people that might be thinking about that? Well, I think that's a great question. Um, I think that it's, it's natural when you are a good producer or you have a great team that you think about the next step, which is becoming a broker as an example. And then mm-hmm. hopefully one day, your way into a mortgage banker and, and, you know, go that route. But I think that people underestimate, especially in today's regulatory environment, the, the depth of things that they need to understand, the amount of software that they need to run a business like that. So the first thing that I would do is, is make sure that you have a good grasp of what it's going to take in order to get there and seek out resources that are more, you know, a co-op oriented sort of thing where you can you know, kind of all work together in order to accomplish the same goal. Um, And that may be joining groups or, you know, sharing ideas, but making sure that you you have your bases covered. Because the last thing you want to do is go out and build something and then poof, it's all gone because you didn't pay attention to a few things. So were you one to write a business plan before you started your different entrepreneurial efforts? I think that's a great start. Um, you know, most people aren't well versed at writing business plans, but I would at least think about and and even crowdsource. Hey, what what are the lessons that you guys learned? I'd go to my social media groups. What have you learned? What do I need to worry about? What should I be concerned with? You know, uh, what is it like to originate in different states? All the things that that you may be thinking about. Crowdsource of opinions. Get that thought process going and. If it's not necessarily a formalized business plan, at least you've done some due diligence in order to accomplish that. And also, you know, think beyond where you're at right now, because this is not a static industry, right? We continue to evolve. Uh, Things 
you could have things going one way and next thing you know the whole thing blows up <laughs> as we saw in 0708 and sure. as we saw last year with COVID. you know so there are many things that that you want to consider if you're going to go down the entrepreneurial's route it's your money it's your time it ultimately is up to you whether or not it's successful or not and the due diligence that you you were able to accomplish in order to try to cover all of your bases. So, Tammy, when you've looked at some of the business efforts that you've done yourself, you started a, what would be a de novo business where you started it from scratch. And then I know that you've also have purchased businesses and that uh, individuals sold. So talk about what what's involved with starting literally from scratch versus buying an ongoing business that the owner might have wanted to retire or there's some reason why they want to get out? Well, there's certainly a difference, but there's a lot of similarities as well. So and you're starting the business and if you're going to be an entrepreneur, it's not really like going from the corporate environment where you have a lot of hands on deck, right? A lot of people to help you out. Sure. Uh, the entrepreneur starts out with basically themselves and then adds people as they're able to. And so they're wearing many, many hats. They are sales. They are marketing. Uh, they are the content creators. They, they are everything to the company and getting it started. They're the technology developer. They are the one who is setting up the business case uses. All of those things go into starting up from scratch. And then as you begin to uh, get more and more, I mean, you're really just taking that money and, and plowing it back into the company in order to grow it. So if you're a start from scratch type of person, that's be prepared that you're going to need uh, some of your own money to really get things going in the direction that you might want to. When you purchase a company, you're really purchasing something that's already been uh, developed and already has a bit of a following, uh, but really you don't purchase it because it's uh, over the top, you purchase it because you see potential in it. And it generally requires a lot of reorganization. It can be just as difficult, in my opinion, as starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. And while you have some variety there, um, you really have to reconfigure everything that you're doing and set it up for what should be the next phase of this business that you're purchasing in order to get it to these next levels of where you want to take it. And that's a far different, I never looked at a business to purchase that I was just going to keep a status quo. It, I always looked at a business to purchase that I said I can take that and create it um, to 100 times better than it was sort of thing. If you do that, it's, it's kind of like you're starting from scratch, but at least you have some sort of base to, to fall on. So were you one, and certainly I know I've done this in my own business, where uh, I, it's been a godsend to outsource through Fiverr and all these other types of uh, freelancers that you can tap into. Were you one to do that, or what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I definitely did that. Um, there's great things that happen there, and also some, some that you just you know uh, would prefer not to work with. But it's like anything, right? If you're hiring people from the street to work for your company, you're going to have some good hires and some bad hires. So I look at it that way. I try to be highly specific with what I want done. I think that's an important thing, especially as we look at a more global economy of people who are helping us to do different things. 
um, our language and culture maybe not may not be the same thing as a let's say a whiteboard animation artist in Romania as mm -hmm. an example. So the the more specific that you are in the tasks that you need done, and this is why I became a black belt in Lean Six Sigma because I, I felt like that would assist me in not only building the technologies that I've built over time, but also it would assist me in communicating with, with people as to exactly what needed to be done, how it needed to be done, and the timelines that we needed to accomplish it. So what would be the types of things that you would outsource and the types of things you would not outsource? So for instance, in my business, I outsource the graphics works, the website stuff. What is it that you have want ownership of and then what type of other things do you outsource? Well, I'm very fortunate that I have um, both of my sons work for me, mm -hmm. and there was a prerequisite to that. They needed to work for other companies prior to working for me. One was the head of marketing for uh, Leader One, which is a large mortgage banker, and he was also an originator for Guaranteed Rate before coming to work for me. The other one was actually a rock star who traveled all over the world, and so I utilized them for their their skills and their skills are very strong when it comes to website development graphics animation i was having a hard time getting my animation stuff done and my graphics done and so we we spent oh, thousands in software and in computers and things sure. that we needed and pulled all that in-house so that it was done really really well the things that i tend to outsource are coding anything that has to do with development, your how to make your commerce platform talk with your credit card platform, you know, all of what I'll call the, the detailed development items that really require your computer science types of people. Mm -hmm. uh, because those, are, those aren't people that I'm probably going to onboard. Those are people that, you know, I want to understand that they're very skilled at what they do, but I'm also very careful as to who I utilize, because there's a lot of weird things that can go wrong there. So those are things I keep in-house. Not everybody does all their graphics and animation in-house. I just found it was easier for us. I could produce it faster. Sure. We do a lot of that stuff. I mean, we do so much. It's, it's almost daily that we're doing uh, those types of things. So it just made sense for us to do that. Well, that's really all great advice. And time has flown by. So we're down to our last few minutes. Uh, would you like to share some takeaways for our listeners today? Yeah, I, you know, I would just say that I've been doing this a long time, just like you, Pat. And I've never been bored one day in the <laughs> 35 plus years of working in, in this industry. And I think that's the attractant, right? Mm -hmm. the, the high income, never being bored. It's always exciting, good and bad. And and you really, if you're going to stay in this business and do well, you've got to have a really strong passion for it. And you've got to have a strong passion beyond yourself, right? For me, it's about making sure that you are leaving behind uh, trails of success for other people to either follow or build on upon themselves. And also making sure that you're taking the time to mentor people and get them up and running uh, so that they're able to kind of carry that torch to the next generation. It's, it's, it goes beyond just self. It goes to what can I contribute in order 
to make the next generation better and stronger and hopefully much better than what I was able to accomplish. Well, they're great words to end on. I want to thank our listeners today for spending time with us. If you want more tips on managing in between our episodes, you know, follow me on LinkedIn and sign up for my weekly sales blog at patsherlock.com. Talk to you next week. Thanks so much, Tammy. Thank you, Pat.